bond yields have fallen sharply overnight, but that doesn't mean inflation expectations are going away, or does it? Well, place your bets. There are arguments that maybe it's peaking, but then look at Canada's CPI and German PPIs, and those numbers only seem to be getting bigger. And the big presidential debate in France is about to start. It's close. If Macron doesn't perform, could we see the far right in France? It's Thursday, the 21st of April, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a fall in the US dollar today, the DXY down 0.6%, helping a 1% lift in the Aussie dollar, just shy of 74.5 US cents now. The pound is up half a percent, the euro up almost 0.6%, and the yen has regained a bit of ground. The US dollar down 0.9% against the yen, and bond yields have uh, also fallen down 10 basis points for 10-year treasuries, down to 2.84%, but uh, just a a couple of basis points fall in in two years at around 2.58%. Uh, We've seen four or five basis points falls for 10 years across most of Europe as well. Uh, Maybe that would uh, help justify the rise in equities. Well, some equities anyway, the Dow finishing up 0.7%, but the S&P actually fell back uh, down 0.1% at close and tech stocks not doing well at all. The Nasdaq is down 1.2%, but a chunk of that is the 36% fall in Netflix, 36%. Now we knew they'd uh, closed off a lot of subscribers in Russia. So were those numbers really that dire yesterday? 36%. And oil was down a bit today as well. Uh, We were half percent down on Brent. Well, it's back in positive territory now, and WTI is fairly flat, managing to climb about 0.2% in the last hour or so. So oil actually finishing slightly up today. So uh, is the bond market turning? Let's talk to NAB's Taylor Nugent in Melbourne. What has changed in the uh, last day or two, of course, is we've seen real yields for 10-year treasuries marginally up, so you could actually make money out of bonds for a short while, uh, even with inflation. Uh, but we are seeing this renewed interest, aren't we? So uh, in bonds, I mean, I know it's only for a day, but what's your take on what is happening? This swift reversal today, what's happening with bonds right now? Certainly some yeah, interesting market movements overnight, as you say, Phil. So a bit of a reversal of the, the recent trends across the board is really what we've seen with the US dollar coming off a bit. Um, over the last 24 hours and also a bit of a, a bit of a retracement in where yields had had got to so especially in the in that 10-year space as you say real yields went um, went positive briefly for the first time in about two years um, but have have since come back and so that was just alongside that the 10-year getting up close to three percent not quite hitting that mark during Asia yesterday and then and then coming back to where it was a, a couple of days ago just to some of the some of that rise in in yields has has come back. Um, interesting in in the background from that, there's no real news flow overnight to to shift the dial on on rate hike expectations. Fed speakers very much fell into line with the recent chorus. So the, the um, San Francisco Fed's Mary Daly has joined that that um, that chorus saying that she wants an expeditious march to neutral by the end of the year um, and sees that as a prudent path. Um, and also saying that the case for a 50 basis point adjustment is now complete. And you can kind of see that in, in the resilience of the, of yields at, at, at the two year compared to further out in the curve that, that you mentioned briefly, um, with markets but now is, fully pricing. Is there a chance though that, you know, markets are looking and saying, well, maybe, you know, this is as far as it goes. The inflation has peaked. The, the beige book that was out this morning. I mean, it did point to signs of wage growth slowing. Uh, could the market be thinking perhaps, you know, perhaps the Fed is, uh, has been talking it up a little bit too much? Yeah. So the, the beige book was interesting. Certainly there was, 
you know, nothing in there to suggest that there's been a, a sharp a sharp turner corned on turned on those inflationary pressures, um, but some some glimmers of hope coming through. So inflation pressures still reported as elevated. So geopolitical concerns, Russia commodity prices, unsurprisingly, but um, lockdowns in China are also featuring more strongly in this um, in this report as well as a driver of some of those input cost pressures. And then labour shortages, wage pressures still there, um, but potentially some glimmers of hope on on that front that those are easing at the margin. Um, but also interestingly is um, reports that businesses are able to pass on these input costs into into output prices swiftly. So certainly the that inflationary environment reporting coming out of the beige book is still still um, consistent with with elevated inflationary pressures at the moment. Um, but really that outlook of how quickly inflation comes down um, is is where the focus is and you've got kind of another, Another indicator that um, some of those temporary factors, especially on the good side that had been pushing it up, are, are starting to reverse with the, the Mannheim used car index coming off another 1% or so in, in March. Mm. Yeah, but interestingly, people not buying new cars, are they? I mean, that might be part of uh, the problem for Japan as well, because they can't get the parts. There's just not the new cars around. But already, uh, home sales are falling, uh, you know, even before the rates are up there. Uh, I guess it's the expectations of it. We saw 2.7% drop in March in the United States. That is the lowest level for existing home sales in two years. But I mean, also, there's not a lot going on the market. That'll be part of it as well. Yeah, interesting housing market data out of the US. Certainly no signs of a, a sharp turnaround. Um, house prices did did reach a new a new peak, median house prices in in the US. Um, but as you say, kind of turnover dropped a little bit, and that's potentially no surprise given what's happened to to mortgage interest rates recently. With um, thirty year fixed term um, interest rates up over five percent um, at the moment, which is up from just three point oh four percent a year ago. So a fairly sharp move in those those costs for new mortgages in the US. Now the question that keeps on getting asked: Are they uh, too cautious uh, in Europe uh, because inflation? is rising sharply ppis for germany for march month on month from 1.4 percent up to 4.9 percent in a month almost 31 percent in a year they look like big numbers to me and uh, at least one fed uh, ecb official i should say is uh, talking about the possibility of a rate hike maybe as early as july they certainly look like big numbers to me as well phil so yeah as you say the german ppi up 4.9 percent in a month 30.9 percent year on year um and that's really just kind of underscoring the the German exposure specifically to um, to the situation in in Ukraine with energy energy driving a lot of those cost pressures. Energy up eighty four percent, natural gas specifically up one hundred and forty five percent, driving a lot of those gains. Um, but then also across um, other other um, commodities that are. Um, that Ukraine is a key part of those supply chains for have also driven a lot of those cost pressures. So fertilizers, feed and wood products are, are also up quite a lot. Um, and you can kind of see that reflected in the IMF's um, forecast as well released yesterday with um, picking up some of the same themes that Germany's seen the biggest downgrade among advanced economies for their forecast growth with a, a 1.7 percentage point reduction in, in their growth forecast to 2.7%. Um, but yeah, in in terms of the ECB, as as you say, so a, a couple of comments overnight that are that are interesting. Um, so we had the um, one one ECB um, speaker kind of opening the door fairly explicitly to a, a hike as as early as July, and then we also had the the Bundesbank's Nagel out suggesting that if um, 
a rate rise early in the third quarter is is possible. Um, and so certainly some some movement there from the ECB. They're bringing it forward, aren't they, bit by bit. And uh, they're not, not needing to bring it forward in Canada. They've always been fairly hawkish, and we can see why. 6.7% year-on-year was their inflation rate, uh, 1.4% just for the month of uh, March. This is more than expected. And this is another place. You know, a week ago, no one was mentioning the idea of 75 basis points. That just seemed incredible. Uh, but, but it, I mean, it's been talked about for the Fed. Now, be, now it's being talked about for the Bank of Canada as well, as a possibility anyway. Yeah, Canadian inflation, uh, again, um, outpaced expectations, so up 6.7%, and all of the core measures moving higher as well. Um, and so that's there's still inflationary pressures in Canada don't seem to be quite as elevated as, as they are in the US, but given where those numbers are, that's going to be of, of little comfort to the Bank of Canada and certainly kind of looks like there's nothing in this to deter them from their um, from the, the um, path that they're on to, to normalise policy and get to a more neutral setting quickly in, in Canada. Um, 50 basis points is still still well-priced by um by the market for the next meeting and kind of market pricing edging above 50 basis points. So pricing in some risk of a, a 70 basis point hike at, at the next meeting, but still very much a, a, a fairly slim chance and 50 basis points looks looks more likely at this stage. I wonder what that's all going to do to uh, Canada's house prices because they are highly leveraged, of course, over there, aren't they? Uh, the uh, the weaker yen that we've been talking about and uh, Ray and I were talking about this yesterday and how you know it might help uh, with uh, Japan's exports, but we saw their balance of trade, even with the weaker yen. Imports were up, exports were actually down, the opposite of what a weaker currency uh, would suggest. Uh, I guess it's a lot of it is supply chain disruption, presumably lack of car parts, part of that. Uh, but, I mean, could those trade numbers then just weaken the yen even more? Could this start a bit of a spiral for them, even though, you know, we've seen it go the other way today? Interesting, yeah, the, the yen was um, certainly certainly one of those one of those um, market prices that, that reversed some of the recent trends overnight with a, a bit of an um, appreciation in the yen, but certainly the, the, that downtrend recently alongside the, the rise in, in yields in the US and that opening up of the yield differential with Japanese rates still kind of anchored to the floor. Um, has has certainly like is still the overall theme, um, as you say. Kind of the the trade data looks like China's um, China lockdowns and and um, and restrictions there, and those closed factories, as you mentioned, are one of the culprits behind um, the slowing of, of Japanese exports. Um, but also, interestingly, out of out of Japan is um, the movements by the Bank of Japan to kind of you know underscore their their commitment to the the ten year yield curve control target, announcing unlimited bond purchases um, again, and that's kind of putting a bit more attention on on the Bank of Japan meeting next week and what and what they might do um, around those measures with kind of no not signalling any appetite to. Um, you know, remove monetary accommodation and, and join the chorus from other central banks that are that are looking towards monetary policy normalisation with Japan kind of still very much mired in that deflationary environment, not yeah. yet escaped from that. Well, we've also got the yuan at a, a six-month low, uh, and that is presumably down to this this whole approach of zero COVID. And if they've got no answer, if they've got no out, way out, then it's just uh, it's not a bright uh, outlook for China or for the rest of us, really. The China situation is is really interesting and certainly kind of is um, get, getting a lot of attention. So you kind of can see it popping up in in various places. The implications this has for for the global economy um, as well, with with kind of a, a new round of supply disruptions, a, a one result in terms of kind of the in terms of global supply chains, and then for China specifically, obviously the implications are 
um, a, a very large. Um, so Chinese policymakers were kind of interesting, kind of a, um, a, did a little bit of disappointment again on the on the loan prime rate, um, which was um, which was unchanged um, following the the no change to the MLF rate recently as well. Um, but we, we did see Chinese policymakers kind of you know give a give a stamp of approval to recent weakening in the in the yuan, setting the setting the daily fix um, well above where where people expected it to, and so there does seem to be some kind of some focus on on the currency side potentially in order to kind of maintain competitiveness given the given where the the um, one got to against the yen with the yen depreciation recently um, being one kind of factor that's thrown around but potentially in the background of the move but kind of it does kind of underscore just the job that Chinese policymakers have to to get um, the Chinese growth outlook on on the right footing given the the COVID policies that they're persisting and with at this stage. And their position on Ukraine is going to be interesting. I mean, we're not seeing the market react to this, but the Global Times, it's worth taking a look in, just dipping into there from time to time because, I mean, they are, of course, the, the, the mouthpiece for the Chinese government. And, uh, you know, they are talking about support for Moscow. There's an an article, an opinion piece there saying Europe is going to confront a 10-year crisis on energy, goods, uh, refugees and inflation uh, and social turmoil, which could make the bloc all split apart because of their support for this war in Ukraine. So uh, that's not something that the West likes to read too much. And uh, if they carry on with that rhetoric, you know, well, we know if Donald Trump was in the White House, we know how the US would be responding to all of that. Uh, but on this, uh, you know, breakdown of Europe, um, well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, in the French presidential debate, because that's on very shortly. Marine Le Pen uh, is uh, obviously the uh, the outsider on this, but only 54 to 46 in the polls to Macron at the moment. There's a two and a half hour debate on TV tonight. And obviously, uh, Europe goes to vote on this or France goes to vote on this at the weekend. I mean, if, uh, if, if she wins, um, that is going to be something else to throw into the mix. Something else indeed, isn't it? It is, yeah. I think kind of everything that you've highlighted there just kind of underscores that those geopolitical risks and, and political risks are very much at, at the fore at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Joe Biden is giving $800 million more in support for Ukraine. Uh, that's on top of the $800 million that was announced last week. So more money being uh, poured into that war. We can't forget about that. Look, uh, coming up today, uh, New Zealand CPI, the Philly Fed Business Outlook. Initial jobless claims for the United States. Andrew Bailey from the Bank of England is talking later on as well. Uh, well, early tomorrow morning, actually. And an IMF panel, Christine Lagarde and Jerome Powell. Uh, that could be a feisty one because they've obviously got very different outlooks on where they should be heading right now. Well, as feisty as central bankers get. And, of course, that's the last chance we're going to get to hear Jerome Powell before the uh, the lockdown ahead of the next Fed meeting. So, uh Interesting stuff to listen to over the uh, over the next twelve hours or so, or twenty four hours or so. Yeah, that's right. I think the um, as you say, the the Powell and, and Lagarde appearance will be will be closely watched, and then yeah, New Zealand CPI really the um the thing of note in in our time zone this morning coming up coming up early. Our BNZ colleagues are looking for a two percent quarter on quarter increase, which would take the annual rate to seven point one percent year on year, which is in line with consensus, but probably a touch above what the RBNZ was looking for in its latest forecasts. Um, and worth noting as well that potentially more important in terms of the policy outlook is those core inflation measures released by the RBNZ um, right. later in the day. Marie Le Pen versus Macron, Lagarde versus Powell. Well, exciting television we've got to watch. Uh, <laughs> good to talk. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. That's Taylor Nugent at NAB in Melbourne. I'm Phil Dobby. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks.